0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reckless A Talk, a tabletop role playing game interview show where we sit down with some of our favorite tabletop role playing game creators, performers, and personalities. As always, I am your host, DM Nathan, and I am only a little bit losing my mind as I introduce this week's guest, Tom Bloom. I I imagine most creators, if they thought long enough, could probably point to a handful of pieces of art that really spoke to them and shaped the projects they were working on, and Tom's work is deeply woven in the DNA of Rixia here on Rickles' Attack. In the tabletop role-playing game space, he is best known for being one of the designers of the popular indie mech game Lancer, a far-future game of corporations and giant robots and sick gear and feelings. Uh, He is also publicly playtesting his next game, Icon, which is a Final Fantasy-inspired fantasy game. Uh, There are links to both of these and other games in the show notes, but what I certainly know his work best from is his webcomic Kill Six Billion Demons. One of the best pieces of advice I have ever gotten from a fellow writer was to have a few pieces of work that you can fall back on, consume, and feel re-inspired by and energized by when you hit a slump or a bump, and Kill Six Billion Demons is one of those pieces of work for me. It is dense, it has awe-inspiring visuals, it is demons, angels, identity exploration, anime fight scenes, friendship, big feelings. All that and more, it is one of the few pieces of media that I am happy to suggest to basically anyone and everyone, as I was grabbed after about page five when, spoiler alert, happens. Anyway, getting to talk to Tom about his work in game design and on the comic was a real treat for me, and I hope it will be for all of you as well. We talk about the importance of vibes, world building with a point, internet fame, playtesting, and so, so much more. Without any further ado, here is my interview with Tom Bloom. I hope you enjoy, and I will see you next Tuesday for A Reckless Attack. Why, h- hello there, Tom. Hello. How how are you today?
1: I'm, I'm very well, thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Excellent. As we pretend that we haven't already been chatting a little bit beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> hello, welcome to the conversation for the first time. Uh, so excited to have you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So for those people who are not familiar with you, or at least not familiar with the full scope and breadth of all the things that you do in the tabletop role-playing game sphere and outside of it, could you please introduce yourself, your name, your pronouns, all the good things that you do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. My name is Tom Bloom. Uh, I'm formerly, I actually changed my name recently. It was Tom Parkinson Morgan before, uh, but I changed it because I uh, recently had a kid in my family and the one had the same name as my as my son so uh it's tom bloom now i picked that name very cool oh cool yeah it's a pain but it's really fun so to, to <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I i am very familiar with other people who have gotten married and changed their name that way mm-hmm. uh but it doesn't sound like a fun or good thing to do
1: no it's not it's not but it's kind of it's kind of nice to like have the same name as you know the rest of your family right as your, right. As your wife and son so that's really good cool. thing
0: emotionally bad oh, yeah and red tape wise yeah and
1: it has a nice ring to it it's like oh yeah sounds good and uh, yeah, so I uh, I do the comic Kill Six Billion Demons. That's probably what I'm most known for. It's not actually my TTRPG work, but um, I draw this comic. It's a webcomic. Uh, you can find it online at kill6billiondemons.com. It's also in print with Image Comics. There are four editions now and a fifth volume probably coming next year. I'm currently working on the fifth volume online. It's getting there. It's almost there. Um, I also write tabletop role-playing games. I was the main mechanical writer on or the I guess the designer on Lancer which is like a game about big mechs which I'm sure we'll talk about <laughs> a lot today and I'm the writer and the designer on Icon which is a game I'm currently working on that is in playtesting I'm, I'm sure it will come out in the next couple of years <laughs> yeah I'm sure that it will come
0: out period end of sentence
1: yeah and I've also created some smaller games I wrote a game for my comic that was uh, powered by the Ap- apocalypse based called broken worlds I am um, I wrote a game called Skull Wizards of the Chaos Caverns, which is basically a one-shot Mad Libs game, which is quite fun. <laughs> and I wrote that one at one in the morning while very drunk at a bachelor party, which is cool. Um, at, at your bachelor party? No. At- <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've written, I've written other games here and there that I've put onto my Patreon. Um, some of them don't aren't even like out there, but uh, like I wrote a game about being wizards apprentices. Uh, there's a game called Gun, which is uh, Forged in the Dark. Mm-hmm kind of like western game although they aren't aren't finished and I'm not sure if I'll actually finish or publish them at some point I might might do it but uh, I've been writing TTRPGs kind of in the background as a hobby for a long time Um, and uh, only recently did I get well I recently in the last like five years got serious about publishing them so and I have a little company called Massive Press and they Mm -hmm. we do um, primarily launch but we I think we'll be publishing other books in the future
0: and just not to derail immediately, but is, is, I can't remember, is Icon also a massive press? Go yeah, ahead. currently
1: Icon is massive. I'm debating whether I will actually end up publishing I- Icon with Massive or not uh, because a partnership and uh, my, my co-writer Miguel has had no involvement with Icon so far. Right. And uh, he, he currently works for Wizards of the Coast on the Magic Gathering team and is very, very busy. So uh, <laughs> right. I don't
0: think he'll have much time to contribute, unfortunately, but uh, we'll see. Makes sense. So first of all, I don't want the interview to go on too long, and I'm sure I will talk about it during the preamble. Uh, hello, future Nathan recording the preamble. Uh, <laughs> Kill Six Billion Demons, your webcomic, is one of my one of my favorite pieces of media, oh. period, of all time. That's high uh, praise, thank you. <laughs> we are in a, a homebrew D&D world for our kind of main non-interview portion of our podcast, uh, and Kill Six Billion Demons, kind of the world-building of it, and the vibes and the themes and stuff were all really big influences. So oh, I'm, I'm very excited to talk to you just generally and also talk to you a little bit about the world building process. But I thought sure, that'd yeah. be a nice way to set the stakes for any, any listeners. We're like, ah, would you like to get a little more info on Nathan's brain? There you go. Uh, read Kill Six Billion Demons. Where we usually start and where a lot of these sorts of interviews usually start is how you first kind of got exposed to tabletop role-playing games and or kind of sci-fi and fantasy. Uh, or, you know, I guess some people have just interpreted that as like introduced to nerddom. Sure. Uh, where, you know, kind of where did where did that start for you?
1: right uh good question um i i guess um with my parents because my, my dad is a huge nerd my mum's also a bit of a nerd but she's um she's not really like a very active nerd she just does like sort of fantasy it's kind of weird like you wouldn't strike her as someone who like reads a lot of fantasy novels but her favorite book is actually dune Ooh, um, and so we a... had a bunch of fantasy books lying around the house and uh i remember reading lord of the rings when i was uh 10 or 11 i think and uh, that was really cool and uh, the hobbit and I read a bunch of other fantasy when I was younger, so I just always, I always read a lot of fantasy. Um, tabletop role playing games, in particular, I got into in middle school because these kids were playing D anD D in like the quad, like after school and stuff, and and uh, we were like, "Hey, what's that? Can we can we play some?" And like we got the books, and I don't think we were really playing D anD D.
0: That's that's how a lot of these go, I think.
1: Right? Yeah, but but we were having a good time, you know, with the game and and with the, the idea of the game and. Uh, I actually met uh, Miguel, my co-writer of Lancer, and yeah. uh, a great, great friend of mine who, for like going on 16 years now, I think. No, longer longer than that. 18 years. Shit. No, 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's bigger. <laughs> uh, playing, playing B&B at a lunch bench in, in uh, seventh grade, which is kind of cool. So
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. And um, so, was that, so was he part of that kind of initial like first intro or was he yeah. like just a kind of like... Oh, and also he is doing this. Uh, so so actually, I played with my other
1: friends first, but then uh, he, uh, another, like a mutual friend brought him along and was like, hey, can this kid play with us? And, <laughs> uh, and he did. And, and now we're friends like 20 years later and um, we're a role playing games together. So there you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what either kind of then or now. Mm hmm. Has really like what stuck? What struck you as like, oh, this is this is what I would like to continue doing and what I'm really interested in? What what itch did it scratch for you?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I I, these are great questions, man. (laughs) I uh I love um I love game design uh in particular, um, it, it really fascinates me, um, and I also like fantasy uh as. As a a medium for for storytelling and I guess for for like healthy escapism, Uh, I love improv. I'm a big theater kid, so that's always really (laughs) appealed to me. Um, Improvised storytelling has always been a big thing for me. I did a lot of improv and I was in drama in high school and involved in theater and college and stuff. And, uh, you know, those guys were always very D&D adjacent. There was definitely, you know, like a a, a theater club uh, D&D game going on all the time in college. (laughs) Uh Um, I was... um, for a while I was actually one of the people who ran the uh, Shakespeare Club at uh, UCLA for a bit oh cool uh, uh, which which by the way included um people like uh, Erika Ishi who I think is like a big influencer in the yeah, absolutely yeah <laughs> yeah it was really funny because I saw her in uh, geek and Sundry and stuff and uh, a long time ago when when critical role was just starting out and I was actually actually that's not uh, to digress too much but uh all digressions I, I started I, I started watching critical role because because erica was like adjacent to to like the whole like geek and sundry thing with uh felicia day oh wow, really like, yeah and so, like she's, that's she's like,
0: interesting like, that that was your your in so to speak
1: yeah she's like i'm on this i'm on this weird stream and i was like I should, <laughs> I should go check that out like and i and i did and i was like oh i got ended up getting super popular I, I think i watched from episode like two oh, wow. Of Critical wow <laughs> um Back in the day, so that was kind of fun to watch. Kind of bloom out of control, get into this huge thing. Uh, but yeah, so always always been around like nerdy nerdy stuff. Um, being very interested in game design specifically, and not just you know TTRPGs RPGs, but video games and uh, board games, anything like that. It's always been a big hobby of mine. I would just kind of casually write games. Uh, I had a lot of downtime at my work. I used to work at a high school in Japan teaching English and. Mm-hmm. I would go to a special school on Wednesday. It was a special needs school. Um, I only taught like one class a day there, meaning the rest of the day I'd just just be at my desk. Uh, I didn't have a computer or anything, so I just would bring a notebook with me and I would I would write role playing games. Really? Free time. Yeah. Or like board game ideas, or I just take notes or or write stories for my comic and stuff. Actually, if you read the um, the under text stuff in KSPD, so KSPD is a webcomic, Right? It has the you, you know this one. the listeners might not. Yeah. It has a. Um, this, this like under comic text stuff that sometimes tells a story or has like mythology in it or, or something in the comments section. And uh, a lot of that stuff I actually wrote at my job in Japan while I had, was, I was bored cool. out of my school. I had nothing
0: else to do. <laughs> <laughs> that, that makes sense. Cause you, you write a lot of, of, of seemingly super background lore and like text and like in universe text and it has always blown me away that level of like detail and background. And it makes sense that it was written by someone bored out of their skull at a desk.
1: Yeah. Well, more than I I needed a a creative outlet or something to do. Right. So I just write a lot. Um, But anyway, it's always been a thing I've done to entertain myself. But uh, the thing that I do is I, I work in a creative field, right? So I draw comics. That's my, that's my main deal. (laughs) And if you work in your creative field, you, your hobby is also your job, right? Yeah. So that that's amazing, but it's also a bit, it can be a bit tiresome, especially when you want to just relax and yeah. have non-committal creative output, right? So, I would do stuff to avoid avoid my job by doing something that was creative and, and, and work work-ish, but not my job, right? So I would write right. for role-playing games. Like Monster originally was a, a project. That I just wrote with a friend because we were like, hey, let's just write a game. It wasn't intended to go anywhere. And eventually what happens to me and to all the things I touch is my <laughs> hobby becomes a job again. Yep. And then I have to find another
0: hobby or <laughs> another project to pursue. Deeper and deeper. Exactly. So it becomes a never-ending cycle, basically. So that I'm really interested in that kind of first of all so something that that always struck me and I think this is true of Lancer of Icon reading through the the books and playtest materials certainly of kill 6 billion demons is that the world is very very flavorful and very mm-hmm. deep and had you know f- always feels like there's there's always more if you turned around a corner there would be some crazy site with crazy lore and and story, you know, kind of very steeped in in it or at least enough flavor. Right. Um but it's interesting to me that you mention that you like the design part of games as well. Yes. Um, and kind of the rules and granularity cuz Lancer is obviously a very, you know, is a very crunchy system and has a lot of cool modularity and that kind of stuff. So yeah. I can you I guess speak a little bit about How the world building lore writing scratches your brain versus how the putting together cool systems and Mm -hmm. interactions and all of the, you know, all of the cool stuff that come from that, how, how those differ or how they, they might be the same for you.
1: World building is not like, I like it, but um, people always think to, to, It's kind of interesting that people always think to have any creative work where there's like a world Mm -hmm. that you need to do an extensive amount of world building. Yeah. Actually, I don't really believe in world building very much. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's only useful as insofar as you understand what your goals are. So if you're writing a fantasy novel or a comic like I am right, world building is cool as long as it is related to the sense of themes Mm you're trying to explore with the work Mm -hmm. and it's related to the characters and it offers a sense of tone and a sense of verisimilitude and immersion. Like uh, I did a lot of wobbling stuff in the first volume of KSPD, for example, that I kind of regret because it was too much to dump on people. It's cool. Some people love it, but it's um, it was too much at once. And it was not particularly relevant to like the current situation. Mm -hmm. It was kind of just there for the sake of it. I think a lot of people, you know, start trying to write a fantasy novel, and the first thing they go is like, well, how does magic work in my world? And it's like, who gives a shit? (laughs) The characters, what are they doing? What's their motivation? You know, maybe we can come up with something cool about the world that relates to the characters, and that will help us tease out a theme or something we can explore. Um, But other than that, I don't think it's, like, particularly interesting. It has to have relevance, right? Yeah. Yeah. if you, now, if you're world building for a for a game, um, it's it's a little different, especially if you're running a game, because the because it's it's it can be useful to build that sense of immersion, right? Uh, yeah. A verisimilitude of this world being like a real place that's fun to do, um, and, and it can really help your players feel immersed, yeah. right? Like this this is a Absolutely. real yeah real area that you're you're living in and you're exploring, and and there's people that live here. That, that's 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 cool to do. However, I also find that people that write RPGs or, or write campaigns often prioritize world building to the, to the detriment of like having the players actually tell an interesting story, right? They'll be like, oh, there was a cool dragon in this tower and the players never went to see them. I'm going to force them to go see this cool dragon, right? But, but the dragon doesn't matter at all unless the players show up and try to find the dragon themselves, right? Uh, it doesn't matter that in your world, like, elves are cannibals who grow from trees if the players never meet the elves right yeah right um so it's it's fun to have those details there but i think too many people spend too much time on that stuff without thinking about its relevance its purpose in the story and whether or not it actually connects to the protagonists of, of whatever you're trying to tell whether that's your players or whether that's um the protagonists of your fantasy novel or whatever you're working on right yeah um So I, I, yeah, I don't actually think world building is, it's a useful exercise, but it's not the goal of any creative work. Mm. That's my, that's my view on it.
0: It sounds like I'm trying to, I'm trying to find the right way to put it into a question, (laughs) (laughs) but, but I I think that's, I think that that is very interesting in terms of looking at, at your work because, because all of your things are very thematic and, and capture a vibe basically, or a type yes. of story or a genre or whatever. So I think well, that that makes a lot of sense.
1: What is important is, is vibe, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and genres that, that is, that is important because that, that sets the tone for how people engage with your work, right? Like that's, that's actually what you care about. That's what a lot of people think when they think about world building, right? If I'm building a world, if I'm thinking about a world in which it is like stock medieval fantasy, whatever, that's a certain vibe, right? It can be mm-hmm. done well, right? I love the cool, like, ADs-ass D&D yeah. vibe. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? Like, like the real, like, corny, like, old-school, like, Conan the Barbarian sword and sandals kind of thing. I, I love that. Like, if you go look at the original, some of the original covers for, like, AD&D and stuff, mm-hmm. like the... I forgot if it's Second Edition. I think it's a second edition cover. It has like the big statue, you know what I'm talking
0: about? Yeah, with the jewel with the, eye. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. The that's, that's, that's that's a yeah. whole
1: then a dude like dragging the lizard man in from the other, other room. Like that's the whole vibe right there. Absolutely. That's that's the whole thing, right? There's entire games that have been written off of that vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's that's the important part, not the actual details, right? Um, like if that makes sense to me. That, that's 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 my my general view on it.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think I think that is I think that offers great insight and to both you and your process and I think to other people's as well or I hopefully. Hope so. Will be. Um <laughs> so when you are when you're designing something. Um, whether it is a story, whether it is a game, whether it's uh, whatever, a fun thing you're doing to the side, do you start with that vibe? And how do you kind of like decide on what the vibe or, or theme is, is going to be as you're kind of approaching it, or is it just kind of whatever grabs you?
1: I think I do start with the vibe and then you think about the system that you're going to use to convey that that's like Lanzu was definitely came off of like, you want to write a mech game. And I want this MET game to be modular because I really like the armor Core. <laughs> uh, I- I- Icon was because I'm like, man, I really love that like Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. JRPG-esque, like, Studio Ghibli sort of weird like Japanese fantasy vibe that isn't really well represented in, um, in games over here, I think. So I was like, I love that thing and I want to bring it to games.
0: That kind of leads me into I wanted to get a little bit more specific around Lancer in particular, Mm -hmm. because obviously that's that is one that is very popular. I think it's it's at least anecdotally one of the ones that I see kind of pop up some of the most. That's not kind of one of the like tried and true either, you know, D&D slash Pathfinder or, you know, like Monsters of the Week thing where it's its own its own system and thing that i yeah. see a lot of people play and talk about and get excited about so it's uh, uh, yeah
1: it's got a lot of word of mouth actually it's really yes. interesting like we never advertised for it uh we haven't you know it hasn't really it's had a lot of actual plays which is kind of cool but there's been you no know, like big i, I guess uh, friends of the table is uh, running recently which is kind of cool
0: but uh, oh, that's awesome
1: not a lot of um you know big like uh, podcast stuff that's just taking it on so it's kind of cool to see it has grown so much
0: yeah. So you mentioned it a little bit already. Obviously, of just uh, we want to do a mech. I want to write a mech game, yeah. and I want it to be modular. Right. And, and you had done some game design stuff already, as you kind of already said. Right. But at this point, you were already doing Kill Six Billion Demons, and that was already doing you know like garn- garnering some success as I as I kind of understand the timeline. How did how did that project evolve, and specifically? when did it get to the point if there was one where you you wanted to release it publicly and you wanted to be like, I want this to be a thing and I want this thing to be, a rule book that is, you know, <laughs> yeah. a number of pages long, and to have a Kickstarter and all these other things. How did that evolve?
1: Well, that's a that's a great question and a long answer, unfortunately. Yeah, so I'll try to be as brief as possible. That's what we're uh, here for. <laughs> that's
0: what, it's to give give space for long answers.
1: Uh, well, so so uh, my friend and I like to play uh, Miguel is his name. Uh, we like to play. Um, always oh, my my co writer. We love playing RPGs together. He ran dd four e all through college and stuff, and I would run games at various points. Um, and yeah, we met playing D&D and, and so we play games together and um, at, we wanted to look for a mech game. So we're in the car driving back from something one day and I, I said, hey, look, I know we've been looking for a mech game and there's, um, you know, BattleTech, there's proprietary stuff, but there isn't like a game out there that is flexible and uh, kind of what we're looking for. So he's like, yeah, he's like, I found this other one, but it's not really that. I'm like, why don't we just write one? Because <laughs> I just written the KSBD RPG, which was... Um, how about the apocalypse not a very good pbta hack by the way <laughs> uh but it was it, you know, it done one i was dabbling into game design yeah. at the time and uh so i was like you know we could just write a game and he's like oh okay um, and he, he's a writer he has an mfa in uh, creative writing I, was, I think he was studying one at the time actually he was finishing it um intending to get into fiction and um right now he does the i like i think i like said the fiction stuff for um mpg yeah and so so we just started writing together and he was my roommate at the time and he lived across the hall from me like literally, they could just walk out my door open my door open his door <laughs> and then be like hey and we would just pause stuff back and forth write, and uh kind of i would do mechanics and i would write a whole sections game out that was kind of flavorless right and then he would like take that and then write all the story and background flavor cool. and stuff in so if you go to launcher like you'll see a mech and launcher has like I just you know has a little description of like what is the mech, what does it do, what company makes it, and then like all the equipment also has little flavor text in it. We we love to like disperse our lore out like that, right? So it's like it's kind of like if you're playing D anD D and you know (laughs) your uh, third level class ability, like your your barbarian rage, would have like flavor text in (laughs) there.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um,
1: Because it adds to the world a lot. So so we uh, we did that and it was very fun and it was going really well and we just passed back and forth and at some point. We hit a point where we're like, "Well, this is technically a playable game. Let's just put it out in the internet and see if people will play it." Because I had an audience already, mm-hmm. so we put it in the GDoc. It was just in a Google Drive for oh, really, yeah, <laughs> for a long time and it was just publicly accessible as, a, as like a PDF. And that's just where we updated it. And eventually, a community formed around the game on Discord, uh, which is a uh, pilot net, which is still going, has like twelve thousand members. Wow, that's ridiculous! I, I don't even remember. It's a large server at this point. <laughs> it's big. Um, I'm look at it. Actually. Here's the point uh a bit yeah big discord community started to form around it uh, playing the game and we got a lot of playtesting feedback um and then we both kind of realized oh man there's actually some serious interest in this game and so as we got more feedback it really encouraged us to write more and eventually we just started taking more seriously and we're kind of drilled down on, on finishing the game and it took us you know i think a year year and a half to really like get to a point where i felt good about it um as a game and miguel was pretty happy with the fiction and stuff and um we we I just asked him like yeah Yo, do you want to just like run this on Kickstarter see if we can raise money to print it, um, and he's like yeah sure. Cause <laughs> originally our plan was not to actually print the book but just to pay for layout uh, yeah. art and editing. Uh, but then we saw the response to it and how many people were interested in the Kickstarter even though we hadn't really even uh, yeah. <laughs> mentioned it yet. Like, yeah,
0: even though there wasn't a Kickstarter. At no,
1: either. we just we like breathed the word Kickstarter and tons <laughs> of people were like oh my god I have to do, have to you know do that. And so we were like, maybe this is going to be really popular. So we ended up deciding to print it, uh, which which came with its, its own host of issues. But um, inevitably, it was the right decision. We printed 10,000 books. We raised ten times our original ask. We asked for I think forty thousand originally, and we made four hundred thirty five, and yep. uh, that enabled us to print print and ship ten thousand books from china which is crazy <laughs> yeah and and uh, we're still selling those actually so we're, we're almost through but um as of as of the time i'm speaking i think there's like 500 of those left so you, you're running out of time to get one It's <laughs> my little pitch there um but but yeah it was basically the community response to the game was so good that we felt like very encouraged to continue to work on it and to continue to to take it more seriously as a project.
0: So I had a a couple of kind of more process questions about Lancer just because it is, it's such an interesting one. And so like, so, so indie where it was just the two of you.
1: Yes. um, Uh, Right. uh, Of course I can't, I can't go without giving credit to all the artists we we got and also our, um,
0: yeah, right. Exactly. uh, Yeah.
1: Minerva McJander, who's fucking awesome. And Melody Watson, who's our line editor, um, who's an Aussie which has been fun for coordination. <laughs> yes, I would imagine. <laughs> a
0: lot of very, a very narrow window of time where you can have meetings, I would imagine, during oh, yeah. the day. So first, I was I was just kind of interested, as you guys were, were going back and forth and creating this thing, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, whatever it was going to end up being, creating a thing. On your webcomic, it is you who are doing all the art, all the you know, all the narrative design, all of the lore, all the everything's. Right. And so, was was that a, a a different or like how was that a different process for you? And how did how did that work for you? Well, uh, like I
1: said, uh, basically, I, I used to just write. I'd write some like I would write something like you know, mimetic kill cannon and (laughs) like I would hand it off to Lopez who would then actually explain what the hell that was, which is very funny. (laughs) Yeah. Occasionally I would just hand him some complete bullshit basically as a prompt and he would go fill that out. Yep. And, you know, we were just kind of on the same wavelength. I mean, if you talk about vibes, like both of us kind of like the same sort of science fiction. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we were kind of in sync with that, like, it didn't really have too much of a conversation. Some some things we had to talk about um, in terms of, like, setting tone for the game. But um, in general, I would just hand him things and let him go ham. It was very easy. Oh. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, I, I certainly had a vision, uh, certain visions about uh, some aspects, uh, such as the AI in, in Lance's setting, that were s- slightly conflicting with how he was sort of interpreting them. And so we had to kind of talk about them a little bit to straighten out. One coherent vision for the company, but it was really very laissez faire, which is kind of weird, right? Like you would expect people to talk more, but we just literally handed things to each other and then occasionally would talk about what we were writing. It was very, uh, very collaborative and uh, improvisational to some degree. It was cool. cool.
0: A, lot of, a lot of yes and basically. I'm yeah, like, a well, lot thank of that, you for yeah. handing me this and we'll go with that. And you had, had and it, it, it sounded like, and, and me, I'm sure it was developing too, but you guys had kind of that clear idea of like, here's vaguely what the vibe is and we'll see you know we'll we'll refine but because you had kind of agreed on what the vibe was going to be at least at the outset you could kind of just keep iterating on on that with whatever you guys were coming up with
1: we had a discussion right at the beginning about what we wanted the tone to be and that that was the important thing i was like this is the tone you know it's going to be it's going to be hopeful it's not going to be uh, something it's going to be a, a setting where government is actually working for the <laughs> for the benefit of people instead yeah. of you know again which is weird and actually it was very hard for a lot of people to to come to terms with which was very strange like, oh, wait, a lot like people for the
0: players for yeah playing? no
1: just people trying to play or read the game would be like it has to, it's so it's so interesting as someone who's who makes stuff on the internet people are very very much slaves to genre this, in a way they mm-hmm. haven't been before because of the existence of all of media being at your fingertips, right? Uh, like, people just are constantly comparing all media to other media. yeah. And so if something goes against genre, they bristle at it, not for any other reason than it's just not how things are quote-unquote supposed to work, right? Mm-hmm. So in Lancer, we had a setting where the government union is this big intergalactic hegemon and it's kind of complicated, but had, had a revolution, um, that overthrew a very like the word, and I think it's enter enter chauvinistic, like a human <laughs> centric, like fascistic regime. Right. Kind of like starship troopers esque, yeah. right? And, and overthrew that and is now trying to do better and, and trying to actually, you know, it's a big space empire, but it's one that is trying to be hands-off and um, basically offer a, a standard of living for everyone instead of trying to be, like, you know, a galactic hegemon. Yeah. And pe- people people <laughs> bristled at the idea that a space empire could be well-intentioned but complicated, right? Yeah. Not, not even, like, you know, good guys, quote unquote. But some some uh, a that is like trying to do the right thing. I mean, despite the examples of fiction that, that you know, like the, um, the 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 freaking the Federation and Star Trek or right. uh, or uh, Ursula Le Guin's oh, actually and, and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's a lot of examples in science fiction of, of that kind of thing. But because people are so clued into pop culture with you know Star Wars and all this all these like evil empire narratives, they kept trying to find some kind of trick. Or some kind of like out that proved proved the genre (laughs) instead of just trying to accept that that was not the case here. It was Mm -hmm. trying to do something different. It was very interesting.
0: I had some other, you know, kind of like Lancery questions, but this seems like as good a time as any to talk about story and talk about and vibe, right? And and, and whatever versions of that, you know, in, in whatever properties we're talking about for you as a as both a creator and as a person and consumer of 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 capital c content what are the kind of stories that interest you either just for you to 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 read or or whatever but also to write to explore in games um and all that kind of stuff have you noticed similar themes or are you just kind of all over the place
1: <laughs> yeah i mean if you read my work you might kind of get an inkling of like what I enjoy because I think it kind of shows mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> like I, I I am I think a lot of my stuff's very like uh, existentialist and uh and kind of mythic in scale to mm-hmm. some degree I, I love stories that have a lot of space in them there's a lot of unexplained space I don't need things to to make sense I, I <laughs> like surrealism I like. I like stories that present challenges for the characters. They have to confront a a really basic thing that I think a lot of uh, a lot of stories fail to like really engage with. It's kind of interesting. Like, I, I think good stories are, are where uh, characters have strong ideals and they have to either challenge or defend those ideals. Right? They have to change them. Or they have to be tested and then reinforce them, and 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 decide that yeah, this is actually what I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the, if none of that goes on, I quickly lose interest in the story. Um, but if a story does that well, then then I actually really enjoy it. So I, I like stories that are very character centric, and I also like stories that, like I said, are very they trust they trust their readers, and they also. They also are interested in, in, in setting tone and theme and talking about something that is not just a mechanical A to B to C plot, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So,
1: therefore, I have actually stopped reading a lot of fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really read fantasy for a long time. I, I don't actually enjoy fantasy as a genre that much, I guess. Modern fantasy, is that kind of weird to say? Um, there isn't a lot in it that I, that I like, but then again, I haven't looked particularly hard. I find I find it's it kind of hues very close especially a lot of modern fantasy to like to like power fantasy and doesn't really examine itself very much and doesn't seem to be particularly interested in doing so so I, I don't know it's like not to say that people who enjoy fantasy can't enjoy it I, I certainly you know I make fantasy I love playing fantasy video games and stuff and uh, but I just don't think there's like a lot of interesting stuff in mm-hmm. those stories for me to engage with nowadays yeah for example don't particularly like listening to Critical Role. I used to listen to it for a while. But um, the Matthew Mercer, not to, a guy is amazing, um, but uh, he has a style of game mastering which really irritates me, so I can't stop it, which is he likes to kind of coddle the players a bit. Um, he likes to have a kind of style of game. Some DMs do this, and it's actually totally fine. It's just not my mm-hmm.
0: kind of story right. I want to
1: listen yeah. to, where where the world often conforms to the characters' beliefs and reinforces them instead of challenging them, where it'll be about like how the characters believe this thing and and they're ultimately proved right and they don't have to really think about their beliefs too hard. Um, which is, you know, I mean, it's high, high order to us for someone running a, uh, a an actual play of a, of a role-playing game where anything can happen, right? But uh, but uh, it's happened enough in, in Critical Role in particular that I had stopped listening to it because uh, it wasn't interesting me anymore. <laughs> 'Cause the stakes didn't feel real because I knew that, that Matt would um not really challenge his players in a way that was interesting to me. And uh, you know, maybe maybe actual plays are just not for me. <laughs> but uh It's not but, for everyone, certainly. Sure, yeah. But um that that's kind of my style of story. I, I like I like it when there are real challenges to characters and um that that's the number one thing I think that draws me in. I, I read a lot of fiction nowadays. Um a lot of manga, weirdly.
0: Mm-hmm. what are you reading anything in anything stand out
1: uh i love chainsaw man
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> I haven't started, started it yet, yet, but
1: yeah it's incredible uh i also really like uh i like one piece a lot i'm reading that now uh since everyone seems to be doing that i was like maybe i should read one piece so making my way through one piece right now
0: and and i good luck for the next several years of yes. your life as i understand <laughs> as i yeah. understand it yeah <laughs> so something that it really struck me as you were talking about that about how how character centric the stories that you enjoy are which obviously yeah. fits well with a lot of tabletop role playing games but also seems to to play into at least my understanding of how lancer was designed and there's yeah. there is a lot of space not just for the mechanical like you make your mech your own thing there's so many different you know, uh, licenses and gear and whatever that you can really truly make your thing your own. Yeah. But also, you know, I know that there are a lot of flexible but robust downtime activities and yeah. and that sort of thing. So, how did how do you go about if you did taking that kind of emphasis and love for kind of character? character driven stuff and put that into mechanics and into like a codified rule set for a game you designed. That, that, hmm. Uh, I guess,
1: um, I, I like when, uh, I, I don't think Watts is like a particularly good example of, of the kind of stories I like Mm -hmm. to tell. It's kind of interesting. Like, like actually, um, it's funny because the, the, the kind of games I like to play, are actually more narrative focused, mm-hmm. rules-like games. Like uh Blades in the Dark is probably my favorite game. And uh I don't I don't actually I'm not like i I'm, I like it because I like I like playing like kind of wargaming style stuff, but my preferred style of gaming is much more narrative than uh than Lancer is. Um so actually I, I tend to prefer games that do have more character-centric stuff in them. I don't think I actually design games that are focused around that much about around Exploring the characters, like ideals and stuff. But what, what I do like is uh, games that have offer a lot of power and options to the players, mm-hmm. but also offer the offer GMs a lot of ways to challenge them. I guess if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I like I like to have rules that that do hand power and control over to players a lot. There's this weird view of like adversarial relationships between players like, and GMs. Definitely, but I don't like at all. It's 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 kind of dumb. Like <laughs> conversely, I I don't think GMs and players. I don't think games should be designed where it's, like, impossible for the GM to, like, challenge the players somewhat. I think there should be a happy medium between that. So Lancer and Icon too, like, offer you a lot of options, and you can feel really overpowered and really fun and impactful with all the things you do. But the GM also has a lot of tools to challenge you because the NPCs are designed specifically to, like, counter certain character builds Mm -hmm. or do things like that. I think that kind of shows up. But, yeah, generally, I I don't really write very, like, narrative-centric games, um, strangely. (laughs) And they're not the kind of games I like to play. um, But I like to write them. I like to write kind of crunchy games with lots of character options, I suppose.
0: Well, you know, I I, I would say that, again, even even if it's not kind of the narrative, like the mechanics aren't necessarily, like you said, the Blades in the Dark, the Mm -hmm. Powered by the Apocalypse, the, uh, I can't, the other ones, you know. (laughs) The other games. I know about about tabletop role-playing games. (laughs) Um, But yeah, again, I think, I think, something that is and i talked to a lot of people who run lancer actual plays about kind of what stood out to them and that they they did still report out that like again there's a lot of room for you as a character to make choices and to influence the world and to and to you know have downtime and express themselves outside of just combat and yeah and whatever so i
1: i like i like games that just know what they're going to do and they, and they decide to do it right so like I I think it's and I got in trouble for this but I think <laughs> I think the system that you that you use to, to play a game in is actually very important I, I would mm-hmm. not play a 5e for example if I was trying to run a game about mostly social engagements and intrigue That's and true. stuff I, I just wouldn't do it it's not it's not a good system for it unless you heavily homebrew it um the, the game d d is about killing monsters and getting loot. That's what the game is about. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of modify it if you want it to work differently. And by that point, you're doing work you know, <laughs> that you don't have to do. You can play other games that do things better. So um, the is about fighting in mechs, right? So the out-of-combat stuff is very light. People have often been like, well, the the, the narrative stuff and launch is like really rules light. And I'm like, yeah, because the game really is about getting into a mech and yeah. punching <laughs> uh-huh. Um we have downtime stuff because I, I really like structured games where the game says, you're doing this, yeah, and then you're doing this. Because it helps the GM decide, you know, how to run sessions and structure sessions. It also helps the players know what's the goal, right? One of the things that I really Brows me the wrong way a lot of the time playing d and listening to lots of d games or 5e games right now, is that 5e has no such structure at all. So oftentimes games end up being really aimless because there's actually no incentive to do anything. There's no structure built into the game. Uh, the actual structure that's built into the game, the rest system makes you stop playing the game and sleep in the middle of a dungeon if you want to maximize <laughs> your, your powers and stuff, right? So it is important to me that the rules, as they're written create the kind of play experience that you're looking for so in that respect yeah i do i do love rules that give power to players i love rules that give structured game structured games uh or structures to a game where the gm can like play off of them and you, you kind of you can expect how an average session of the game will go that kind of thing and that that's all really important to me i think it does come out in, like the, the stuff that i do for sure
0: and I think the last main question that I kind of had about, about Lancer, especially structurally, kind of on the back of that, people who who run the game regularly do it on stream, doing yeah. for actual plays and stuff, talk a lot about how much they enjoy how how Lancer is structured. Mm-hmm. Um and not just not just for the reasons that you were talking about of like the session structure and kind of the and this is this phase of the game and it right and it's combat now and it's downtime now, but also yeah. of the way the book is laid out and the way things are organized and that kind of stuff. So, oh, and, and that, that for me is always a big barrier for, for rules, you know, rule systems, right. Is that yeah. you have great rules and great mechanics and great everything. But if it's a hard to read book, then I, it, it just doesn't hit, right. It doesn't hit my brain at least. So uh, just, could you speak a little bit about kind of your thought process of going in and designing Kind of not just the mechanics, but of how the book flows and looks and reads.
1: Well, a lot of that has to do with uh, our Leo artists who did a great job with it. But because mm-hmm. uh, the game is, um, is codified, uh, you know, where like it's actually that's actually color coding. I don't know if you've noticed this in the book, as far as like even like um, mm-hmm. when something is a weapon, it's red or I think black. When something is uh, like a reaction, it's green, that kind of thing. You know, all the different manufacturers have a different color. There's, there's there's a lot of stuff there that like helps the layout. I think I think a lot of the heavy heavy lifting though is done by our companion app, uh, CompCon, which is like truly incredible. Mm. That's a fan creator thing. We have this like amazing character builder, you know, companion app thing that will do all the all the work for you, basically. Yeah. And I think, to be honest, like w- without the app, I think it'd be a lot harder for people to engage with the game, but the app is uh was again like a, f- a fan creation the people who just made it to, to to make running the game easier and is like a truly incredible uh piece of work. So all credit to um John or uh Beeftime, the developer behind <laughs> that and uh and his team.
0: Awesome. Um so so you mentioned that that Lancer was obviously had a lot of public playtesting and that being kind of a big part of it. And Icon is obviously publicly available for playtesting right now as well. Uh, I think that's available on your website. I think it's what version like 1.3 or something like that right Mm -hmm. now as of recording. And so I I was kind of curious, especially because you are someone who had been creating publicly um, through your comic and had done some game design stuff too what's the process like for you experientially and kind of like professionally going through public playtests, especially when the public playtest is in a discord server of 12,000 people or whatever. (laughs) And, or, or, you know, or of a wider group of the internet who are just, who stumbled across your rules or want to try it out. Like what, what was that like for you? And do you have any advice for someone who's doing similar kind of things?
1: Oh, sure. Uh, Generally, it's been super positive. Actually, I've I've gotten really good reception. I think, the strength of the internet is that you can put things out there and it'll just go around, right? Like pe- people mm-hmm. spread by word of mouth, people will engage with it. And they, you don't have to do really any work to promote your stuff if, if you keep it available and you listen to people's feedback and you continue to improve it. You know, people will find your work and they'll continue to engage with it as long as you keep putting effort into it. Uh, so the barrier to entry is, is very low which is why you see the flourishing of things like the indie rpg scene on itch.io for example because mm-hmm. anyone can write a game put it up and get some response to it or some feedback or anything so it's really true it's truly a, a very um vibrant scene right now um i've only had a really good experience with it uh i've had a lot of public playtesting uh you know the the mantra being like you give people the game early for free and they just give you playtest feedback and mm-hmm. it's it's like very, very useful. I mean, Lancer <laughs> was in public playtesting for two years, t- changed drastically, all for the better, between um, the original version and release. I mean, if I'd published a release version of Lancer, I'm not sure it would be playable. Um, Games <laughs> need to go through that kind of tempering before I think they're in a good state. Um, a lot of people choose to just ignore that step or skip it, and I'm really astounded, including professional publishers, yeah. by the way, mm-hmm. And, uh, and the internet's a really great way to do that, to be honest. Um, I, I haven't had any negative experience with it, really. It's just been very positive. Um, I, you have people who are very pedantic about the rules and will argue with you over really, you know, definitions of individual words and stuff, which can be kind of annoying. But like, aside from that, um, it's very, very useful. Mm-hmm. And uh, my motto is always, give people something for free and ask them to pay for it later, especially when it comes to things on the internet because I want people playing the game and engaging with the game, right? Uh, Lancer is a game you have to play with other people. So as long as you do that, uh, if, if you give them the game, they'll just, they'll just go out and play it. So you can play Lancer for free. The, the player-facing rules are all free on itch.io. You can just mm-hmm. go download them. The only thing you're missing is the lore section and the uh, GM NPC section. But other than that, you, you can download CompCon the app, totally for free. You can go pick up the game right now if you want. Just go download it, massive-press.itch.io. Massive, uh, or just search LancerRPG.com. Completely free game, and just go, just go play it. Then later on, if you feel like you want to buy it, buy it, buy a copy. It's twenty five bucks. We have a bunch of expansions out. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like uh, we've even gone to point to, to let all the player facing content in Lancer, like all the mechs that come in expansion content are also free. So if we release a new book that's like a campaign guide, like we released No Room for a Wallflower, for example, all of the mech content, the player facing stuff that came with that campaign. You can just go download for for CompCon and just use it without mm-hmm. paying a cent to us. So, you know, my my main comic, uh, Kill Six Million Demons, has been online as a webcomic for zero dollars
0: mm-hmm.
1: online for, for almost ten years now. So everyone just keeps up with it week to week. It's got a ton of people just reading it because it's there. There's no barrier to entry. You can just go read the comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and then you know, then later on, I go, well, you know, I've been doing this for ten years. If you'd like me to continue giving you free comics, could you just toss me $2 on Patreon? And a ton of people have done that. (laughs) So uh, there's a lot of virtues in in, in engaging with that model. It it becomes less of a relationship that is transactional and more community based. People are more interested in that. Yeah.
0: So that was something I was I was curious about. I've interviewed now a good kind of like spectrum of people who are, you know, kind of in a similar spot as we are in kind of our public content creation journey or whatever. Right. Doing it for a good hunk of time, but not all that much time and not not full-time certainly kind of all the way up to more to people who are more on your end of the spectrum who have been creating publicly for a long time. And I believe you are doing it full-time correct through, you know, via uh, massive via kill 6 billion demons. Yeah. um, All that good stuff. Yeah. So I I was kind of curious, and this is just something I'm always interested in. How has your relationship changed? If it has at all around kind of being a public air quotes content creator <laughs> yeah. over over the years especially as you're you're getting a, you know more eyeballs on your stuff but also branching out into into different game designs and into publishing and into all these other things what has that experience been like for you and and kind of how has it evolved if at all
1: so there's an interesting thing that happens right so initially it was very positive and when you are someone who is growing an audience it's it's very fun because you get more community and more people like engaging with your work and um it's very very good motivator. right when i first started the comic i decided to just put it online because i wanted to finish work and put it somewhere where people would hold me accountable for it right and it was very successful because obviously when i put a page online people would then message me being like hey yo, when's the next page coming up Um, and that's a really good motivator for, for putting more work out conversely Uh, or I guess in addition to that, like putting Lancer online and having this community form around it was a Mm -hmm. huge, like I said, a huge motivator for Miguel and I to be like, whoa, we have to publish this now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Without the community, we wouldn't have published it. Um, We wouldn't have thought about it. Recently, Miguel, like I said, he, he works at Wizards of the Coast now. So he's had like no time at all to work in Lancer content. So uh, we felt really bad about not being able to put more content out. So I've actually turned to the community themselves and I've like, Hire people to uh, actually make some more books for that for that now, uh, which is been super cool. Uh, so like, yeah, it's it's really nice when you have when you have a community that will, will respond and will motivate you to like continue to, to like work on stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: As you get bigger, though, the, this other thing starts happening where people start to regard you as like like a brand. <laughs> I don't yeah, know how to explain yeah, it. Absolutely, like, yeah. Like people people forget you're a human and and that you don't actually know them, and there's there's a bit of parasociality that gets in there. And uh, there's also a bit of like, oh, you're some dude with you know forty thousand Twitter followers. Uh, something that gets said to me occasionally when I have opinions on things. And uh, like, it's weird because I'm like, what does that mean? Like, I'm allowed to have opinions, right? But like, y- y- people treat you differently. Like they
0: mm-hmm.
1: they they suddenly start to like kind of regard you as like someone who has um, is engaging differently because because they they're creating at a certain scale. That they start to think about you as like a product instead of a person. Uh, which is very strange, like massive run into this issue because we're a two person company, but Lancer was very, very successful. And uh, a lot of people would email us and be like, why hasn't my book arrived? And I'd be like, dude, we're we're not Amazon. We're we're shipping through US media mail. It takes two weeks. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. So that it's largely been a very positive experience, but you're also kind of exposed to like the raw sewage that is the internet. And so, uh, that can be pretty pretty negative and yeah like the reaching a certain size of of a uh, content creator quote unquote you start to run into like different expectations of mm-hmm. the kind of person you are it's like really interesting uh despite the fact that nothing literally nothing has changed everyone just starts to to view you differently and that can be very um abrasive i guess it's to yeah. some degree
0: yeah, the power—the power of a platform, perceived or otherwise—not to have too much alliteration in one mm-hmm. sentence. Yeah, is always that's always been something that's been really interesting to me. As, yeah. as you're as you're you know as we're trying to grow but be good stewards of kind of like our little voice and like are we a brand? Are we a people? Are right. we whatever? Um, and especially for you, I'd imagine where you as an individual are the quote unquote brand. You know, right? Um, I can see where that would get even more complicated. Very yes. Quickly.
1: Uh, that that's the other thing, I guess, weird, because, yeah, I mean, people come from, from me, like my work, right? And it's for me, the person, but then also I am, I'm kind of a brand too, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm kind of, I am like a a creator, quote unquote, mm-hmm. uh, as well as a person. And that has certain, you can't just like, like, uh, if, I'll use a couple of examples. You start to get a en- level of engagement that, that becomes abrasive whether people intend it to or not. Yeah. Whenever someone makes some dumb meme about my comic, it's funny the first or second time that people post it to me or talk to me about it. The 40th or 50th time it stops being funny. Yeah. Every time I would post an update and people would joke about something in my comic that was kind of funny and meme-y, I would get like 40, 50 responses from people saying the same thing because they were trying to be wise guys and, and a cool you know Twitter commenter or whatever or on my site or whatever. Yeah, this stuff. And it got so bad, I was like, I want to close the comments to my site because people can't stop like,
0: making <laughs> yeah.
1: and, it, and it's and fu- it's It's funny to you because you have one point of engagement with me. Yeah, I have like all the engagement of all you know forty thousand people <laughs> following yeah. my stuff. Yeah, um, and that that's very different from the other side. Regardless of how well meaning it was, the yeah. other thing is like you can no longer say things that are like v- vague or or like no,
0: yeah,
1: because like I, 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 I've, yeah. a couple times now I've gotten in trouble with TTRPG Twitter because. I've made some posts about TTRPGs, vaguely opinionated posts about it. Like, like I'll say something like, uh, I think I said something like, uh, the system you use to to play a game actually matters a lot. I, that was literally the tweet, by the way. And uh, this touched on some discourse I had no idea existed, and a bunch of people fucking came into my mentions, and got super mad at me for, for for something I for some like other conversation I had no idea <laughs> was even a thing, or or I said like I said something like the other day like. Uh, a lot of TTR, TTRPGs, the vibes, like the style, the juice of a game, is more mm. important than the mechanics. Uh, for example, like there's a game called Morkburg. Murk, yep, Morkburg, I forgot. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great game. I fucking love it uh, because it is 99% vibes. The actual system in, in Morkburg is like, it's like nothing. It's like an OSR game. It's very, very, very simple. The mechanics are non-existent, but the vibes are immaculate. The yes. vibes are incredible, and so it functions off of vibes, which is a form of game design. But but people read that as me uh, shit talking the game and got really mad at me, despite the fact that I, that's not what I intended at all. And uh, and so like people people start reading everything into what you're saying at a certain scale. It's like why I think a lot of like um, you know like YouTube people will sometimes post a video essay being like I got cancelled for saying that Aladdin was good or something. You know like like. People people just want to read the worst out of everything you, you, you say because you're someone with a bunch of social media followers and stuff. That can be really annoying.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. And especially the old phenomenon of the, of the negative voices being the loudest. Yeah. That sort of thing too. Uh, either mm. either literally or just mentally. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So as as we kind of wind down, I was curious, do you have – I know you're very busy. Between. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things, uh, professionally and personally. Do yeah. you have do you have time in your life right now to to play tabletop role playing games or, or anything like that? Oh yeah, I'm I'm in a weekly Blades in the Dark game and oh, I'm cool. actually
1: gonna start running D and D again very soon. Oh, um, awesome. My son was my son was born uh late last year mm-hmm. and that kind of put a damper on on, on my game <laughs> On everything.
0: Plans. Yeah,
1: but um right now he has a bedtime and that's an amazing thing. So we can, we can do things
0: again. Very congratulations on the bedtime. Thank you. Thank big. you. You have any kids? Uh, uh no, I don't. I have a dog who, uh, uh, nice. you know, who sleeps all the time, so Let me
1: tell you. Very if easy. you if you ever have kids, bedtime is the most amazing thing in the universe. It's yep,
0: great. I can imagine. So do, do you identify more as a as like a game runner or as a player or or both, depending.
1: Uh, I think I I'd identify as a game designer mm-hmm. um, which which you know makes me really crotchety because if <laughs> <laughs> I play games with people and I'll be like, ah, oh, this mechanic sucks, and they'll be yeah. like, Tom, just play the game. I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't think there's really a difference. I think everyone who mm-hmm. is involved in the game is a player. Some people just have more narrative agency, and that's your GM, right? I think a GM is still a player. That's my mm-hmm. that's my opinion about that. Mm-hmm.
0: The last the last kind of main question that I had before we get into the the oh, very team. intensive lightning round oh, yeah, exactly right. is uh, and this can be either created you know it's kind of general creators or in the or in the tabletop role playing game kind of sphere specifically. Yes. But do you have any any individuals any games any creators that you I'm trying to avoid the, like, heroes, you know, kind of, like, (laughs) moniker, right, as, like, problematic, as as pedestaling a particular individual. But do you have anything that you kind of, like, look at as, like, oh, I learned a lot from this person or thing or product or experience um, that really shaped you?
1: Yeah. I mean, in a TTRPG space particularly, um, I'm a really big fan of John Harper personally. Uh, I don't remember what John Harper's pronouns are. I apologize. But they're, they're um really like positive person who's just, just thinking critically about games and how to make games that have particular, like I said earlier, create particular kinds of gameplay experiences. And they do that really well. I haven't enjoyed like every game I've played by John Harper, but uh, I understand when I, when I read the games, I'm like, this is mm-hmm. a well-designed game. This is a game that is thinking about specifically the kind of story that it wants to tell and is Doing its best to replicate that, which is really cool. They're like almost like genre games. Like, yeah. I really, really enjoy that. Um, I think they're great. And um, I also like Kevin Crawford a lot. Um, he's an OSR designer who's done Stars Without Number, mm-hmm. yep, and uh, a few other games. And he kind of just he just like writes a lot. He's kind of like the Brandon Sanderson <laughs> of, uh, of of TTRPGs. And he kind of knows what he wants to do with his games which is yeah. you know he just, he just he's like i'm gonna write an osr game it's gonna do this and that and and he does things i think basically by himself so it's very impressive he's got a big output and he just writes these like no nonsense games that are very functional and uh i really enjoy that a lot i i also think that um it was him originally that uh he he put his games out for free or he puts a, a free version out and uh, so i i thought that was a cool idea which is why Uh, we're putting out uh, Lancer for free as well. So you can thank him for that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyone who has downloaded the free version of Lancer, be sure to reach out to Kevin Crawford to thank him personally. Um, Excellent. Well, Tom, it is now the most intensive portion of this interview, the lightning round, infamous for the gauntlet that it presents to creators of all shapes and sizes. Uh, I tell everybody that... There is no wrong answer. It can be one word. It can be a story. It can be, I don't really have a good answer for that. And that will be it. Um, I will will try my best to restrain myself from asking follow-up questions as much as possible. Obviously, I reserve the right, when it's a fucking weird off-the-wall thing you just said, I will ask some (laughs) questions. But generally, if your answer is magenta, I will say, okay, cool, next question. Um, Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready to go. Excellent. First question. Is your glass half full or half empty? There is no glass. What excites you creatively, spiritually, or emotionally?
1: Uh, Finishing projects.
0: What does not excite you creatively, spiritually, or emotionally?
1: Working on projects.
0: (laughs) What is your favorite sound?
1: The pterodactyl sound my son makes right now. It's very funny.
0: We did hear a bit of that in the pre-show, and I also appreciated that. as a... <laughs> What sound do you hate?
1: Anytime a neighbor is playing music
0: <laughs> through the
1: walls, like that's just the worst. What is your favorite word? Uh, powerful, I think, is my favorite word mm-hmm. right now.
0: What is your least favorite word?
1: Um uh, moist is a good one.
0: always, absolutely. Yeah. What tabletop role playing game d and d etc., monster or foe? have you never faced or run that you would love to?
1: really want to fight <laughs> just for fun one of the old school um epic level things from like a d and d second edition, like when they started out gods and stuff, I think it'd be yeah. fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What is your favorite adventure of all time? And it can be, it doesn't necessarily need to be a pre-written tabletop role-playing game. One, it can be a movie. It can be whatever one that you wrote, one that you experienced um, anything, but what is your favorite adventure? Um,
1: I think red hand of doom is cool. Mm -hmm.
0: What is your favorite tabletop role-playing game character of all time? And it can be an NPC. It can be someone you've played. It can be whatever tabletop
1: role playing game character um
0: <laughs> I was running
1: a game of Blades in the dark recently. We had a character who uh, a friend of mine was playing uh who was a complete psychopath <laughs> um, I think he someone said he, he dressed a bit like um Anthony Chigurh or whatever from um, oh yeah the no country for old men uh like like kind of had a sort of like a hillbilly aesthetic uh, <laughs> and for some reason <laughs> we discovered that uh he had an identical twin who was like working in the military and, uh, and they were like equally as like idiotic and psychopathic. And it was very funny. Um, I I, I love when characters have like a clone somewhere.
0: (laughs) Final question of the lightning round with the most intense dramatic question possible. Yep. yep. What gives you hope? Um,
1: having a son is pretty great. That's Mm -hmm. pretty awesome. Uh, and uh, the fact that I'll probably finish Six Million Demons in the next few years and uh, definitely will finish Icon in the next few years.
0: Yeah. Well, Tom, you have run the Reckless Attack gauntlet, including the, the, the fearsome lightning round. Oh, sweet. Uh, you have So that means you have unlocked the ability to give one last promo opportunity, tell people who you are, where they can find you, how to support you, the usual spiel. Ready, yes. go.
1: Yeah. Uh, so once again, I'm Tom Bloom um you can find my comic at kill dot you can find lancer at lancerrpg.com or you can search for lancer on itch.io it's usually in the physical games you can you can find it in there um it, yeah uh you can also find icon there it's another like fantasy jrpg inspired rpg that i am writing you can also find other of my rpg work some of some of which is unfinished but there's a lot, <laughs> um on my patreon which is uh patreon.com slash Kill Six Billion Demons, you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash orbitaldropkick. I'll post all kinds of stuff on there, including TTRPG opinions that may or may not
0: get me in trouble. <laughs> but all this and much more over on twitter.com. Yeah, exactly. that's right. <laughs> well, Tom, thank you so much. It was a real privilege to get to talk to you um, and really deeply appreciate all your time. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers.